Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenbaugh for the aforementioned Greeny today. Aaron Rodgers doesn't regret a damn thing. We are presented by Progressive Insurance and all guests appear via the Goodyear hotline. You'll remember earlier this year, Joe, Aaron Rodgers screaming at the Chicago Bears fans, I own you. And it was a great moment. I absolutely couldn't get enough of that moment. I think it was fantastic. And I think there are so many times when we don't want guys to act that way. I had absolutely no problem with it at the time. I thought it was great. 21-7. and seven. The Packers are against the spread in their last 28 games against the Chicago Bears. So even if you're a Bears fan and you're sick of watching Rodgers beat up on your team, the hope of maybe betting on your team so that somehow, some way, even if you lose, you cover the spread and you can make some cash out of it. He has sucked that dry from you as well. <laughs> I think one of the cruelest things I've ever seen in all of professional sports is if you are a Bear fan, less than one year ago, hearing the reports that Rodgers was disgruntled in Green Bay and wanted out giving you a Chicago fan for the first time in decades, because let's face it, it's been three decades of Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre coming your way for three decades. The worst thing that could have happened to them was that they were given hope that this guy might be leaving. And then not only did he didn't leave, he came back. His defense is fantastic. He smashed you once at Soldier, and now he's an 11.5-point favorite against you this weekend off the bye at Lambeau Field. Chris, if you're a Bears fan, do you want this game to be played on Sunday Night Football? <laughs> no. <laughs> absolutely not. I, I absolutely do not because this is one of those situations where you might consider it to be some sort of a – I don't know, locker room, you know, hanging up on the wall and get some motivation out of it. I don't think that's going to matter in the least. I don't want to play it on Sunday Night Football. Let's hear from Aaron Rodgers for a second on whether or not he actually regrets saying it earlier in the year, you know, now that they have to play him again. I don't know. You can uh, you can question a whole lot of what I said. You know, we've had a good record over the years against them and and won a lot of games in Soldier Field and at Lambeau Field. So it's been a, been a great rivalry. I'm proud to be a part of it. Uh, you know, we have uh, have gotten the better of them the last, uh, I don't know, 27, 28 times we've played them for the most part. But, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of times in, in you know situations like this, the trash talk is only able to be used if, uh, you know, if you're getting after that uh, individual that, uh, that was trash talking. So in order to trash talk, you have to have a lot of confidence in, uh, what you accomplished and uh, what you're going to accomplish in the future. At some point, what I said will be used against me. That's just part of it. But I have no, uh, you know, no regrets for saying what I said. And and uh, obviously, I think the, the record kind of speaks for itself. Translation, I have the deed. I have ownership <laughs> of the Chicago Bears. And look, I love the fact that he didn't back off of it at all. That's literally worse than saying I own you. If you're a Bears fan, for him to be like, yeah, I said it, and I also don't regret it at all. There's nothing you're going to do about it, so why would I walk it back for one second? That's that's probably even worse when you consider it because you know what's coming this weekend. Maybe there could be a miracle, but when your offense is 29th in yards per play, 30th in scoring, you've got a head coach who's on his way out, a general manager who's on his way out, a defense that's banged up and falling apart by the week, you got to wonder whether or not these guys are even going to show up this weekend and try to put up a fight is there a fan base in the nfl that hates 
the opponent more or their rivals more than the Bears do the Packers? <laughs> is, there, is there one? The only one I could come up with was the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. That's it. The Eagles hate them, obviously, but it's not as if Dallas has ownership of Philadelphia. Right. I mean, Philly just spoiled their playoff run under Jason Garrett like a couple of years ago when they got him in, I think, week 16. It was two weeks before the end of the season. The one I'll throw your way, it is happening this weekend. Buffalo has to deal with Tom Brady again. And yeah. Buffalo's been dealing with Tom Brady for two decades, and now off a loss to New England and Bill Belichick, the team Brady used to play for, they have to turn around and get ready to try to bounce back against the man himself who brought them so much misery for two decades. The one thing I would throw out there that makes it a little bit different, I think Buffalo fans are incapable of hating anybody. They're some of the nicest, friendliest people. They're too busy putting themselves through tables to get upset about other people. They're such a nice friendly fan base i don't know if they have hate in their hearts chris yeah hate no uh listen i've been in a situation in buffalo but that's 20 years ago i've been in a, <laughs> i've been in a, a dicey situation rooting for the steelers in buffalo let's put it that way but i i did not do anything myself in fact here's how it went that day I was just there rooting for the steelers not being obnoxious i am not that guy i am totally respectful of course a, not a mother sent her four-year-old son running down to my seat, and he looked up at me, and he pointed at me, and he yelled, you suck, and then he <laughs> ran back, and she's patting him on the back. Good job, good job. So it, it, beyond that, it got a little dicier, but you're right. Buffalo people love everybody. Now, there was something else that was said this morning with Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max by Key in relation to Aaron Rodgers, and I'm wondering how you feel about this because for me, I... I I don't know that it's necessary for the legacy of Aaron Rodgers to have to win another Super Bowl. Here's Keyshawn. For me, it is based on where he's been in his career. He's mm -hmm. been there. He's been two straight years in a row. He's gone to the NFC Championship game. For many years, the complaint was he never had anything. We don't hear anything right about his receivers now even though those were the same guys to a degree that he had five years ago. He's always had pretty good receivers. He's always yeah. had good everything. Yeah. Yeah. We don't hear that. And if you package all of the offseason stuff and everything that's gone on since last year's NFC Championship game to where we are today, it's been a lot. And if we want to say he's the greatest quarterback of all times and all of that sort of stuff, I would think that you would have to put another Super Bowl on your resume. I don't know that we're ever going to consider Aaron Rodgers the greatest quarterback of all time. So I don't know if we're talking about one more Super Bowl, if that's going to change his legacy. If we're talking about two or three, maybe. But I still think Aaron Rodgers is going to be in that top five discussion of all time. I'm not going to take him and put him ahead of Brady. I'm not going to take him and put him ahead of Joe Montana unless he starts to reach that level. What's working against Rodgers is that his career directly coincides with the Tom Brady era, and Brady is going down as the GOAT. That's yeah. what's going to hurt him. He's in that shadow. But number two, he's now facing the heat Peyton Manning faced late in his career. Peyton only had one and then went to Denver and put up some monster statistical seasons and couldn't get it done. And the year he got his second 
was the year he was a shell of his former self, yeah. where they won despite him, not because of him. It was that elite Denver defense that got it done, but Peyton still now has two on the mantle. And if you want to be considered in the upper, upper echelon, you got to have two on the mantle. It's one of the reasons that anytime someone says, name your top five quarterbacks, two guys that don't make the cut, Dan Marino and Drew Brees. And those are two quarterbacks who are as good as they come. And they did it at a high level for a long time. But Marino never won one, and Breeze only won one. And the one thing that helped Breeze for years was that everyone was so fixated on criticizing Manning for not winning more than one, Breeze avoided that skepticism. He avoided that criticism. But now we're at a point where when you name the top five, Breeze often misses the cut because he's only got that one on his ledger. It's Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenbaugh for Greeny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. If you're a business owner, it can be tough to hire top talent. But when you post a job with ZipRecruiter, you get qualified candidates sent to you. Then you could easily invite your top choices to apply. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash G-R-E-E-N-Y now to try ZipRecruiter for free. There is one quarterback who's got two on the mantle who has an awful lot on the line, and we get to see him tonight. What does the future hold for Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh? We answer that in moments. Chris and Joe for Greeny on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. Greeny, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Is the beginning of the end for Big Ben. Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenbaugh for Greeny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. Presented by Progressive Insurance and all guests appear via the Goodyear hotline. Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers and the Vikings getting together tonight, Thursday night football. You know, Joe... You watch Ben play, he's nowhere near what he used to be. And to me, this is a situation with Pittsburgh that has dragged out far too long. This is something that probably should have been ended a couple of years ago. And they're really on the doorstep of finding themselves in no man's land. We talked about this with Damian Woody last hour. You know, are they going to head for the draft for a new quarterback? Or are they going to head for free agency? And to me, it feels like they're going to have to head to free agency or a trade because a draftable quarterback, there doesn't seem to be any great ones that uh, are coming out of this draft, first of all. And secondly, uh, it's not exactly easy to do to see them come in and do that when you have a team that may be built to, to win now. Now, having said all that, Ben Roethlisberger is just 
put the Steelers in a terrible position here the last few years, even though he'll be the first to tell you that he took a pay cut this last offseason. He knocked $5 million off that 30 <laughs> Right. <laughs> Heck of a job by you, Ben. That's going to make the difference in winning a championship. Uh, for me, this has really strung out entri- entirely too long for them to better that franchise. This is what happens when emotion gets in the way, and it's hard to keep emotion out of it when you're talking about one of the most iconic players in franchise history, which is saying something considering the franchise we're talking about in the Pittsburgh Steelers, laden with iconic figures. He's helped deliver two Super Bowl wins. He's helped deliver stability, something that most organizations around all professional sports would love to have, just a consistently stable product that produces year in and year out. They never embarrass you. That's the thing with Pittsburgh. They're not going to go 2-14 and 14 or 2-15 and 15 in the new modern era. They're going to find ways to compete. And Ben has played a big role in that. So Pittsburgh probably feels some loyalty to him like they did with Troy Palomalu. Because the Pittsburgh way of doing business has always been as follows. You take care of us, we'll take care of you. And the players who bought in didn't cause problems with their contracts, didn't cause any issues, were taken care of on the back end, if maybe it even was a bit detrimental to the team and their finances because of where the player was in his career. Again, I get to point to Palomalu, one of the all-time legends, but at the end, they were probably paying him more than they should have, much like they are with Roethlisberger today. So emotionally, you're attached to the player, and it's going to sting a little bit on the back end. The secession plan, though, is probably what jumps out to me in that it doesn't look, Chris, like they've had much of one. They took a shot with Mason Rudolph. We've seen plenty of him to know he's not the guy, and we really don't know where they are moving forward. Maybe they fall butt cheeks backwards into some good luck with Russ wanting out, with Aaron Rodgers wanting out, but you couldn't have foreseen that two, three years ago. No, you couldn't have. Um, The thing I would say is that they also tried to find out if Dwayne Haskins could possibly be it, and clearly he can't even get on the field, so that's an obvious no. To me, this is... I would not be averse if I were the Pittsburgh Steelers to looking across the field tonight and looking at Kirk Cousins and saying, you know what, if we can get him for a, a you know, a third round pick, which I don't think is outlandish from the Minnesota Vikings or a second round pick from the Minnesota Vikings, maybe I think about doing that because you have paid TJ Watt, you have make a Fitzpatrick right there. The offensive line has to improve. It's terrible. It's not talked about enough. It's been a big problem for them this year. But they may not be that far off if they brought in someone of that ilk. And as we discussed earlier, you put Cousins with the right head coach, maybe the narrative changes. Maybe. But this is a Pittsburgh team that plays a lot of primetime games, and I know that Kirk Cousins' primetime record isn't all that stellar. <laughs> By last count, in his career, 1-9 and nine on Monday Night Football, 8-17 and 17 in his career Are in primetime games. Are we going to hang all of that just on him? No, it's absolutely unfair that it all lands on him. It's absolutely <laughs> he's unfair. he's a quarterback. That's what happens. I 100% agree. I mean, there's other options that are out there of guys with some starting experience. I don't know how much Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco excites anybody. This year, given opportunities, given weapons, for every game he shows you, he can make two plays. He comes out the next game and he takes those two plays away with horrible, mind-bending pick sixes that dig the team a big hole. I mean, ultimately, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to see um, a greener grass on the other side. 
It's always felt like it's just, you know, something better's out there like so much of us look at when it comes to the cities we live in or the people we date or whatever it may be. But how is it going to get any better for a guy like Aaron Rodgers? His defense can play. His home field advantage is fantastic on most cases. He's got the weapons around him. Where is there a team that can offer him something better? Pittsburgh would be one of the only ones, and he doesn't have any goodwill built up with that fan base. They would expect production right away, whereas in Green Bay, they love him now and they will love him forever. No, whoever that quarterback is that goes into Pittsburgh, you're right. Those expectations are going to be there right away. And it can be him. It could be Russell Wilson. It could be uh, could be Kirk Cousins, for that matter. And the one last thing that I'll be left wondering about with Roethlisberger, if he had taken less money, could he have won more Super Bowls? We could sit here and argue that if Richard Mendenhall doesn't fumble against the Packers, maybe they win a third. But he did. If Ben had taken less money along the way at some point, like Brady did his entire career, do you believe they would have won more Super Bowls? I believe they absolutely would have been in a position to win more Super Bowls because you would have had more to go around to feed the defense, to feed the offensive line, to feed any positions of need. Whether or not it results in another one, I'm not too sure. I would say that his great legacy is claiming two Super Bowl wins in a conference where he spent his entire career going up against Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and then at the end, Patrick Mahomes. That is a tough feat because there's a guy that came out in his draft class named Philip Rivers who mm. never even sniffed a Super Bowl. And those Chargers teams were ridiculously good. LaDainian Tomlinson, Antonio Gates, Lorenzo Neal, a defense that was top 10 in every conceivable metric, and they couldn't even sniff a Super Bowl because of what was going on in the AFC. So Roethlisberger claiming two with that stacked conference says a hell of a lot about him and the organization. But you're right. If you take less, something really only one guy out there has done with great results, by the way, it probably could have put you in a position where you at least could have maintained your perch at the top of the division, setting up a more favorable playoff spot rather than trying to get it done through the wild card. It's Greeny coming to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline with you for every mile on the road to greatness. Goodyear, more driven. Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenbaugh in for Greeny today. And there is something that appears to be on the horizon in the NFL that I am absolutely dreading. And I will not be able to deal with it if it happens. What is it? We'll tell you next on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Greeny, the podcast. Joe posed an interesting question in our pre-show back and forth via email. And he put together two pools of three teams apiece. And the question is, is the Super Bowl not listed, the Super Bowl winner, not listed in either of these pools? And if you could pick one of the pools, which would it be? So, Joe, I'll lay it out there, okay? Go for it. Pool A, the Packers, the Chiefs, the Ravens. Pool B, the Patriots, the Cardinals, and the Buccaneers. Joe, I'm going with pool A if I have to pick a pool because I believe in the Packers' defense. And as I talked about earlier, I believe that the Chiefs are not getting nearly enough respect for having climbed out of the hole that they dug for themselves early this season. 
What's fascinating there is that you pick the pool that doesn't have the team with the best record in the NFL right now, which is the Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Cardinals are 10-2, and two, and perhaps more importantly, and this is what jumps out to me because I think it's a major indicator as to how good a team truly is. They are 7-0 and on the road this season. 7-0, and straight up and against the spread, and they are annihilating the opposition on the road. The double-digit wins are piling up. But I wonder why are we not willing to buy in Arizona? Is because we haven't seen it before? Do we not trust Kingsbury? Do we not trust Kyler Murray to get it done in the big spot? You go with Pool A, which is what I would go with as well. I think having Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, especially with a loaded defense that has been without Jair Alexander, their Pro Bowl corner, for over a month now, I think that gives you the best overall team, at least in my opinion. Having the Chiefs on the come up right now, that's comforting in the AFC, knowing that if you like New England, you have to get over the hurdle that Mac Jones is a rookie and a rookie quarterback has never played in a Super Bowl. Pool B gives you the Patriots, obviously, who we just talked about, the Cardinals, who we just talked about, and the Buccaneers. And you got to ask yourself, is Tampa Bay, the defending champion, being overlooked? I have seen some issues with the defense over the course of the season that make me think they won't be able to run it back. But that, Chris, requires me to A, doubt Tom Brady, which is a horrible, horrible move long term, (laughs) and B... It also makes me discount the idea that just like last year, they could be, play their best football late in the season. I mean, they came off the bye late last year, played four regular season games and four playoff games. They went 8-0 and in those games, and I believe they won them by an average of 14 points per game. So to doubt Tampa Bay or to make a preconceived judgment on Tampa Bay late in the year without factoring in that that's when they play their best, that could be dangerous for me as well. I'm interested in a couple of things here. Number one, just that. The fact that we will all find reasons to doubt him and we will all end up inevitably getting burned for doing it. Right. With Brady. That's number one. Number two, I go back to everything that you just laid out for the Cardinals. Is it because we haven't seen it before? Is it because we don't trust Kyler Murray? Is it because we don't trust Cliff Kingsbury? The answer to all three is yes. It is one gigantic collective Yes, and we should know better than to do that, not because of the individuals involved, but because we have seen teams before that you would have never factored in that went out and had a big year that end up in the Super Bowl. And I do believe that the Cardinals are capable of doing it, yet here I am not thinking that they actually will. And because I myself am am falling victim to that very argument I'm trying to lay out. At plus well, let me ask you this. At plus 800, I might jump on, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you this. What's the weak spot with Arizona? Let's reverse engineer it. If we don't want them in the Super Bowl, if we don't believe they can get there, what is it holding us back? I think for some it's Kingsbury, mm-hmm. but over the years he's taken so much heat for his game management. This year, has it been a problem? No. They seem like a team that's made good decisions. Defensively, they're one of the better units in the league in terms of virtually every conceivable metric, opponent yards per play, scoring defense. They get the job done on the road. They've got plenty of weapons on offense. This was a team that played without their starting quarterback for weeks, and they rolled up win after win with Colt McCoy. They went to San Francisco and won. They went to Seattle and won. You could say those teams are down, but for Colt McCoy to step in as your backup quarterback and to go on the road in divisional matchups against teams that still prove to be tough, tough outs on a regular basis, they, they, they ended up handling themselves well. They hammered those two teams. And who is the guy that we're not even talking about that's had a massive impact on the Cardinals? First of all, they started to lose those games, and everybody just expected, all right, well, they're coming back to earth, right? They didn't. 
James Conner has really gotten it done for the Cardinals in running the football. I mean, it, it, to me, it changed a lot of not the dynamic of their offense, but the, the abilities of their offense. So, yes, like for all these reasons, why am I not picking the Cardinals yet? I can't help but fight myself because when I go back to the beginning of the year, the team that I expected to win the Super Bowl is not on that list, either of those two pods, so to speak, pools of teams. And they haven't done anything lately to make me think they're going to fight their way back in. Yet, I just can't stop loving the Buffalo Bills. I can't quit them. (laughs) I can't quit the Buffalo Bills. At the beginning of the year, I thought it would be Bills Bucks in the Super Bowl, and the Bills would finally get over the hump And yet, Joe, here they are in the regular season, and they've let me down. There's no getting around it. They have have let me down, and they have put the New England Patriots in first place. Am I just a sucker to not let go of a relationship that should have been over a couple of weeks ago? Buffalo strikes me as a team that if they get in— and they're playing good football at the moment they get in, they can go on a run. I think they're the type of team that can win on the road in tough situations, all right? They went to Kansas City, and they hammered the Chiefs 38-20 earlier in the year. They've beaten, they should have beaten Tennessee on the road when Tennessee was at full health, but Allen slips on fourth and one and costs them that game, so be it. And by the way, they haven't been the same team since that game. They lost that Tennessee game. They've since lost to Jacksonville. They've lost to the Colts in blowout fashion. And they lost to the Patriots. I think this is what happens, and we've seen this before in all sports, with young teams that have been bad for a long time. They finally break through, and they have that big season, right? Buffalo last year had the big season. They get all the way to the AFC Championship game. Now, what is it? Heavy lies the head that wears the crown. Everybody's looking at you to make a deep Super Bowl run, and that pressure can get to you. And one mistake can compound itself into two or three, and now suddenly... Any season ever in the last 20 years in which you're 7-5 and five at this point of the year, Bills fans will be excited. But the expectations are so high, this feels like a bit of a failure. We're seeing the same thing with Cleveland. They finally break out last season. They win double digits. They have a shot to win at Arrowhead. They can't get it done, so be it. Expectations are high this year, and they can't handle it. They can't get it done. Sometimes there's that slight setback before the team is able to kick it in the high gear the following year. You got to learn how to lose before you can learn how to win. Yeah, my problem, though, is as I sit and want to cling to them and not let go, it feels like, and I have been in this situation in my personal life on numerous occasions, all of your friends, everybody knows that your relationship is over before it is, before you do. <laughs> before you do, yeah. Everybody does. And it just hasn't, like, you haven't been put out of your misery yet for whatever reason. And that's what it feels like right now with the Buffalo Bills. But I'll give you the team that it does not feel that way with, even though maybe it should have. The Rams are another team that I absolutely love this year, and they're 8-4, and four, and they've been disappointing in some situations, but I refuse, I refuse to give up on the Los Angeles Rams to make the Super Bowl out of the NFC. So like you with the Bills, that was my pick to win it all, and I didn't okay. want to back away from them, and I've seen... The big reason for me was I knew that this defense was able to play. Everyone did. Last year, they were number one in scoring D, number one in total D. And you figured with Brandon Staley leaving to become the head coach of the Chargers that they would 
probably take a step back, and they have, but they're still good enough to win a Super Bowl. The coaching is still solid, right? The weapons are there on offense. There have been some injuries, but everyone deals with that stuff. I thought the addition of Matthew Stafford was going to catapult this team to another level because Jared Goff had limitations. He had limitations in terms of processing information quickly, getting the ball out of his hand, and getting it to the wide open wide receiver running across the middle of the field. I thought Stafford was going to be a massive upgrade, and what I've realized is Stafford isn't necessarily that. He's had a very good season and he's had some big moments. He's also battling injuries we heard about a couple weeks ago, but he has made some head-scratching plays in some very big spots this year. And the Rams have played some marquee games in in which they've come up woefully short. McVay's play calling and his decision-making has been brought into question these last few weeks. And I wonder whether or not this team is going to be able to string it together for possibly four wins in the postseason because I can see them winning a couple but when you have to take the wild card route and you have to go out and win four games against elite competition that is a huge ask a huge ask I mean let's face it Tampa Bay was somewhat lucky to get past Washington in that first playoff game Washington gave them all they could handle last year and if the Saints turn it over to Jameis Winston far quicker than they did which they didn't they only let him have one play They would have lost that game against New Orleans, I'm convinced, but they rode with Drew Brees because it was his final game, and I can understand that from a sentimental standpoint. So I want to continue to believe in the Rams, but Stafford has not shown me everything I need to see. I thought he was going to be a huge upgrade, and in my opinion, he's been a slight upgrade. It hasn't been enough. I cannot wait to see the Monday night game this coming week of Rams-Cardinals. Oh, yeah. But I look at what they've got left. They've got the Seahawks after that at Minnesota, at the Ravens, and then the 49ers at home. I think they can set themselves up okay, but you're right. Four games in the postseason, that is an awfully big ask. It is Greeny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenbaugh in for Greeny today. If you're a business owner, it can be tough to hire top talent for your team, especially when you're competing with other businesses to find the right people. So how can you get the hiring edge? Of course, it's ZipRecruiter. Next key marketing manager, Erin Hartgee loves ZipRecruiter's invite to apply. She says, they get my job posting in front of the right people. I instantly see great candidates, and I can invite them to apply for my job. See for yourself. Just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash G-R-E-E-N-Y to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. Having said all of that, Joseph Anthony Fortenbaugh. I know that's not your middle name. Just made it up. I dread what I fear is is going to happen. And I, for one, will have a, a great amount of difficulty Super Bowl week if it heads to what we all, I think, fear that it might. And that is the Buccaneers and the Patriots. I will have... Nightmares all week of the storyline that just will not go away. Yet somehow it feels inevitable, not only that it's going to happen, but that it has to happen, given how this story has played out. It feels like the nine parts of Star Wars at this point, (laughs) that we can't help but get to this point that we will see Brady against Belichick. If we get that, I could imagine you shirtless in a very dark musty room big bottle of whiskey that's almost at the end just yeah. sitting there cursing your your poor fortunes it, that it you've got to watch these two play i mean just to make a separate like another superhero movie analogy i would feel as if i was in bane's dungeon 
in The Dark Knight Rises, in that giant hole down below, except that I would not be working out. (laughs) You would not be getting into shape to make the climb. No, I would not be trying to save Gotham at that point. I would have been like, that was a good run. I got my own problems, Gotham. (laughs) I mean, that's the natural conclusion to this story, right? Everywhere we turn, was it Belichick? Was it Brady? The answer was it was both of them. If you're going to put together a dynasty, it's never going to be one person. It's going to be multiple people. And you happen to have one of, if not the greatest head coaches, and one of, if not the greatest quarterbacks of all time, working together for close to two decades. That should produce favorable results, and it has. So now the collision course of these two. Can Mac Jones become the first rookie quarterback to play in a Super Bowl? Can Brady navigate the NFC for a second year in a row to put his team in a position to win? It would be storylines for days, and it would be made for Hollywood, which, oh, by the way, is where that game is going to be played this season if Tampa Bay and New England get there. And that's going to be there one way or another. But if they're there, that's the Hollywood ending because you hope, and you're not going to get this, but you hope you would finally get the, was it Brady or was it Belichick? It was both of them. It's the only way you have that much success is to have the two guys, not one or the other. But I mean, if we end up getting that, what do you think the ratings are? That's got to be an all-timer, right? Absolutely an all-timer. But I actually disagree with you a little bit. Like on the, on the notion of it was both of them. Okay, we, we all know that it was both of them, but who would have had the, the larger finish to it? To me, Belichick would have had the bigger finish and the upper hand if, let's just say, this was it. This was the end. This was the fight scene on the, you know, on the uh, ship that's in the middle of the ocean. Because Belichick would have done it without Brady and would have done it with a rookie quarterback and would have done it with a completely different cast. And while Brady did that last year, I think we can all agree that you can take three of the receivers that the Buccaneers have and argue that outside of Randy Moss, they're all better than any other receiver he ever had in New England. That's how great the talent for the Buccaneers is that would be around Brady in that situation. Meanwhile, you look at the Patriots, the Patriots are never the most talented team. They never are. It always seems to be about what Belichick does and what he can do with the pieces that he has and how he really focuses on what he has versus what he doesn't have. With Brady, I've always tried to drive home this point. I agree with you that the edge lies with Belichick because the investment made in Belichick would have given him more time to figure it out early on, which means he could have possibly worked through a couple quarterbacks. If Brady as a sixth rounder lands with a dysfunctional franchise like Cleveland at the time or any of the others that were out there toiling away, he may never see the field. Remember, he wasn't a first-round pick where you have a significant investment, so you're going to give the guy plenty of time to figure it out. Or even a second-round pick like the Eagles are trying to work through with Jalen Hurts right now. They're going to give him the start over Gardner Minshew, even though they should give Gardner Minshew another opportunity based on how he looked against the Jets. But that's a story for another day. With Brady as a six-rounder, financially, that's not a big investment. From a pick allocation standpoint, it is not a big investment. And if you go to a bad franchise with bad players and bad coaching and you don't get an opportunity, 
you could end up washing out quicker. That's not to say that he's not fantastic because he is, but he needed an opportunity. He needed coaching. He needed a team around him to which he could rise to the occasion and show what he could do, which is exactly what he did, and then some. The problem is if he lands in a place like Cleveland, he could end up getting cut simply because the organization is so incompetent, they have no idea to ha- how to handle or coach up what they've got. And that was the beauty of the two of those working together is that Belichick had the time, patience, and opportunity to develop Brady, and Brady was given the time, patience, and opportunity to grow into the flower, so to speak, that he is today. All right, Joseph. I immediately regret saying that. I should have gone with something else. <laughs> flower was a terrible choice. That is awful. <laughs> It's workable. If you missed any of the show, Grainy, you can always find both hours of the show posted as a daily podcast available wherever you listen to podcasts. We have got Thursday night football tonight. It's Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenbaugh in for Grainy. So with that in mind, Steelers, Vikings, Johnny Vegas is with us right now. We have got Minnesota as three-point favorites. The over-under is 44. Where is this game for you tonight? Is it a layoff game, or is it a game that you like one way or another? Not one that I love, but one that I'll play, and that'll be under 44 total points in this matchup. Now, I'm going to throw a trend your way, which means relatively nothing coming into this game, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway, and that Mm. of the last 13 Thursday games, 10 have gone under the total. Or excuse me, 11 have gone under the total. See, I buy that. I think it does mean something because teams are not as sharp offensively on the short week. I agree. But what happens is eventually we talk about this enough, it's apparent enough, and then bookmakers make an adjustment as a result. And this is one of the lower total Thursday games that we've seen in a while. So I think some of the value is being zapped out of that. But one factor that isn't talked about as much is how often the total goes under when Pittsburgh plays on the road. In their last 51 road games... Only 13 overs. 13. Wow. That's like 27%. They play defense, but they also struggle offensively. They're outside the top 20 in both scoring and yards per play. And Minnesota at home with the crowd noise, much better defensively than on the road like they were last week against Detroit. You 29 never, points per game last week. You never cheat me on information and reasons. I'm on board. Under 44 tonight, Steelers, Vikings. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.